Welcome. You are listening to Engender, a production of the Choral Commons. The Choral Commons provides a space for singing communities to realize the liberatory potential of the ensemble as a site of radical imagining. We promote equitable artistic and organizational practices that harness the positive social impacts of participatory music making for the common good. My name is Brad Dumont, and I use he, him pronouns. I'm Nikki Manlove, and I use they, them pronouns. And you are listening to Engender, a series focusing on the wisdom of gender diversity in the choral practice. When you go into those spaces, you don't get second looks. Your pronouns aren't questioned. You don't explain yourself. You don't have to. So far in Engender, we've heard from a lot of conductors and educators, and only one singer. This week, we'll hear from a singer about their experiences in a number of different ensembles. I think we've been pretty intentional about trying to get this balance of honoring singers' experiences, but also recognizing that trans people play a number of different roles in this profession. It can be tempting to try to universalize trans experiences, and we've worked hard to resist that. So today we'll hear from Logan Bradford, a singer based in Tucson, Arizona, who has sung in a number of different types of ensembles, including some gendered ensembles. Their experience is both unique in the sense that all of our experiences are unique, but it has some key trends that many trans singers experience when looking for their home in a choral ensemble. Here's Logan. Okay, um, so I started with like music and singing very young. Uh, I was reflecting on the shower and I believe my first concert was my kindergarten music show, which uh, my grandparents still tell stories about. I kept with that for a few years, did the each school moving, new school, new group, new chorus, kept with the music classes. Eventually we ended up in Germany with the military. Uh, in sixth grade, there wasn't a uh, like fire class like I was used to. Uh, but I was friends with the music teacher. And so I came in after school and we worked together and I got to join the seventh and eighth graders for their concert. And then I kept with her for the next two years. Um, And then high school happened. (laughs) And so uh, when I moved to Alaska, I ran into a pretty intense and negative experience with uh, the music and theater teacher there. And I did like a first semester with her. She was just very mean. And she also uh, advertised us as a concert choir when we were in fact show choir, which are two very different experiences. Um, And I was not in the place to want to experience a show choir. I did not have like the body confidence. I did not have the, frankly, the ability to move in the same way that people in my age group could. Um, And so it was a really challenging and like unpleasant experience that really took the joy out of singing for me. Um, And that was also the year where it became a lot more work. And so with that, I just kind of ran away. Uh, I abandoned that for all of high school, which was incredibly depressing. (laughs) Um, Got into college uh, and decided that I was going to audition for U of A choir, got into the U of A choir, only to have to drop it to take trigonometry, which I kind of accredit to being the downfall of my academic career. Um, because that was kind of the moment where I gave up all creative outlook and like expression. And when you do that, you know, there's, there's going to be some issues. Um, 
And so that was kind of a downfall for me. At that point, I ended up being like, oh, I'm trans and I'm going to do hormones. And when you go through hormones, your voice changes and it's a pain. Um, and I don't know if you two remember puberty, but then I had to go through it. And that was fun to do at 20. Um, so I spent like, I, I remember having a long conversation with my partner at the time and being like, them really wanting me to keep doing music and trying to do like karaoke nights or whatever, because I was starting to push my 20s and that was going to become a thing because ours, yay. Um, and I was really hesitant and had a lot of pushback. And so what had happened was I just kind of stopped for the sake of a voice, a voice change because I knew that given my previous life, because when I was a singer, I was an upper soprano. Uh, in middle school, I was an alto. I was really angry. I didn't like the alto part. And so I decided that throughout my middle school experience, I was going to train up. And so I spent three years training up to upper soprano only um, to then be like, yo, I got to lower my voice. <laughs> that was great. Hence my just abandonment. I was like, if I keep singing like this, I'm going to retain an upper, a really high voice. And I don't I'd get that up. A couple of years passed and my voice started to stabilize, started kind of, um, <laughs> And so I ended up going for Reveille. I set some really interesting um, ultimatums with the universe. Uh, it was very much like, hey, so I'm going to try and put a schedule that change through. And, you know, if it goes through in the next three weeks, which it never does, uh, I guess I'm just going to have to go to this choir thing. And, uh, of course, it went through because I ended up at Reveille, um, which was a really positive experience for, for several years. Uh, I gained a lot through that space. I gained a lot of amazing friendships and, and incredible lessons that I learned and um, insane experiences that I never, never would have thought I would have ever had. Um, but but um, it started to become a time where it was becoming abundantly clear that no matter how many times they kept saying they wanted my input and opinion, it wasn't being taken. Um, which you can only do over and over again for so long. Um, and it became really frustrating because it felt like people kept saying they wanted to hear me, but then when I would speak, they wouldn't listen. Um, so I got to the point where it's kind of like, well, why am I here? Um, <laughs> it's, it's tiring and you're not listening and the changes you say you want to make aren't being made. And so ultimately that led to my decision um, to, to pretty much leave uh, Reveille for the time being until until they can uh, work on making some meaningful changes. And that leads me to here. I guess like one of the things I'm curious about is it sounds like you've kind of yo-yoed through this process of coming in and out of creativity and creative experiences, or at least constructed creative experiences with other people. And I wonder for you um, earlier in life and then for you as you went through transition and for you now in transition, um, how has that dialogue changed for yourself whenever you're trying to convince yourself that it's time to join a creative endeavor? How do you like convince yourself that it, the process is going to be okay? And I guess what I'm wondering is what do you hope for when you enter a new creative pursuit as a singer that you're going to get from it? And how do you expect to be treated? Um, I feel like at this point, I have low expectations. Um, which is unfortunate. 
that's kind of why I loved my experience so much with the them group. Um, it was something very special and unique to be a part of a space where everyone was the same as me. Um, we all were going through a lot of similar challenges. We had a couple of people on hormone replacement, which meant that they were dealing with vocal changes, people who weren't sure how they were feeling about gender um, and trying to navigate what that meant in, uh, in, in a music setting and in a choral setting. Um, and so having that experience, I almost say spoiled me um, because that's what I look for now. I look for feeling like I'm at that group again. Um, and the family sense and the understanding and everyone just kind of being on the same level uh, as far as as far as that gender complexity goes. Um, there wasn't ever issues about being heard because we were all the same, right? Uh, there was no fight there. Um, and I feel like anytime I enter a space now, that's what happens. Like, what's the first thing they ask you? Okay, well, what's your range? What part do you sing? And that can be a really complicated thing to answer when you're somebody with trans experience and when you're somebody who's gone through HRT and you have, really, in my experience, I feel like most trans people who I hear don't cleanly fit into any traditional vocal part at all. So it's a really big challenge to just try and walk into a space that's like, okay, well, we're a TTBB group or, oh, we're an SATB group. And it's like, great, well, I still don't fit here. So that's fantastic. And I think that's kind of where I, where I come from on that now. What do you like in those moments, you know, cause I'm sure you run into them on your own, but also in the choir setting. I mean, what do you wish that choir director standing up at the front would do to engage better? Cause I would dare say that most don't engage well the majority don't engage well. And our hope with some of this, not that we want to spend a lot of time educating like the cis choir director, um, but like, how do we, how, how can we improve our language, me as a cis person who is looking for ways to support? I mean, unfortunately the whole construct of this, it's just not, it doesn't exist. And that's kind of the problem. There really aren't good words there aren't good practices, they don't exist yet. Um, we're kind of in the process of trying to see what that looks like now in real time. Um, yeah, I would say that there really isn't anything because it doesn't exist. I think just the virtue of the space and having the energy is kind of the only thing we have right now. That's, I was gonna ask Logan, could you speak to that a little bit more? Cause it sounds like you've had two really kind of separate experience, well, more than two, but at least this experience with them is so different from your experiences in other places. And you've started talking about the experience with them. Could you like expand into that a little bit more about the culture of the group and why it was so special? Because that's the one thing where I feel like not everybody in the country has access to a, a trans chorus where they can feel that community, but we can still create that feeling of community in our rooms even if it's not a choir that identifies more wholly in that way. So what are the things about the culture that spoke to you that could translate to other groups so that there can just be more general inclusivity and, and access? So 
when I hear questions like this, I always give a little bit of pushback because there's nothing you're ever going to do that's going to create the same space as having a space of all trans. You just, you can't do it. It's not possible. So understanding that, um, when you go into those spaces, you don't get second looks. Your pronouns aren't questioned. You don't explain yourself. You don't have to. You're not spending your breaks uh, giving lessons about pronoun use. Um, you're able to simply just exist and you're there for the music and you're all able to just be there for the music together. Um, I think when it comes to other spaces, the biggest thing that is like that the ball is dropped on uh, is trans people and vocal change because that's a really challenging time for a lot of people. So like physiologically during transition, it's good and important to be singing through that. That helps you retain more. As I've learned, <laughs> it doesn't prevent you from like expanding. It helps you have a larger range. Um, the problem is your voice is break. It's gonna crack, it's not gonna be pretty. Uh, you're gonna come into spots and you're gonna squeak. You know, make some noises, part of puberty, right? Um, but adult spaces especially just aren't nice for that. And a lot of the choir uh, experiences I've had, a lot of the people I've been around, they, um, they find that as something like a, a, something that's fun to make fun of, which creates a really toxic space. Um, so I think there's a lot of things that there are a lot of opportunities for, for growth and learning there. Um, but at the same time, there's also nothing that's ever going to resemble an all trans space. Um, I, I don't mind if, uh, sorry, I hope you don't mind if I shift us to a more general um, statement. And if this isn't something you want to express, um, please feel free to shut it down. Um, I'm just wondering what, if you might be willing to say what you would want to communicate to a young singer who is also starting their transition journey, like somebody who's coming into this space, recognizing that they're about to start their own personal process of growth and change, but wants to try and maintain this creative spark of singing. What, what would you say to them as, as they start that journey? Um, if that was a conversation you were having? You need to be comfortable walking away. There's spaces at this point aren't designed and aren't willing to break those walls down. Um, and I think it's more important to keep hunting, to keep looking for something that's gonna be better than to force yourself into a situation that's ultimately toxic. Um, and that does wear down on you because when you are trying to conform like that, that's gonna affect your journey. And it's going to make you confused. Yeah, and I think that was probably really hard for Nikki and I to just hear, um, but it's the truth. So that was hard to hear during the interview, and it's still hard to hear right now. Right. I think that sometimes we as conductors sort of underestimate the stakes of what it means to actively include trans people in our work. 
We think that trans people aren't in the room or in the world, or that our harm is well-intentioned enough to be insignificant. But honestly, I just keep hearing these stories of people leaving choirs altogether and carrying their harm with them when they go. If we really believe that choral music matters, then we should be deeply concerned with the pattern of people being harmed enough by our work that they expect they might have to walk away. Yeah. I I also think that as a trans person, I feel this sort of deep grief about how many stories have been lost this way. I really do believe that music is or should be an expression of all the many things that it means to be human. And when people get excluded in this way, there's so much beauty that gets lost. However, I am grateful for the ways that trans people continue to show resilience and find their voices in other ways. Let's go back to Logan to wrap us up. So I'm wondering if in a similarly anti-violent way, you can um, help us close by telling us some of your favorite things about being trans and then we can celebrate you with you. Okay. I've had every experience, right? That's so fucking cool. Like, who can say, like, that they've been the soprano one, and then, then they sang the baritone part that one time. And, like, how fucking cool is that to get to, like, do everything and experience everything and to not have those limitations? Um, that's something I really love. Um, my own history and like resilience is something that's also really amazing and like the trans journey and experience of resilience like to be a part of that like story and legacy is something that I am proud of um, as challenging as it can be at times and then to like get to be groundbreaking in a lot of ways like there's so much that like trans people are doing like for the first time so there's so much that like we're accomplishing and that we're making happen and to like get to be a part of the revolution like that is something that's super special so um, and really roles that only we can fill this has been another experience with engender thanks for listening this podcast is produced as a contribution to the Coral Commons and hosted by Nikki Manlove and Brad Dumont. You can find more episodes of this series alongside other progressive and disruptive content, as well as a schedule of virtual events, by visiting our website at www.thecoralcommons.com. We welcome all questions, comments, contributions, and feedback. If you'd like to engage with the Coral Commons or the Engender series more intentionally, please reach out to us through any of our networks. Music for today's podcast was adapted from and will be free by Them Youth Ensemble. Thanks again, and see you next time. <laughs>